Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your hosts, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. How's it going, bud? It's been a week. It's been a gloomy week, but I finally, I finally came around to enjoying the gloom. I know. Thank and, you. And what I'm talking about is weather-wise. So yes. sunny Colorado has been extra gloomy this week. I've been single-handedly handle, handedly trying to hold up this firm through your <laughs> gloominess. The morale. The morale. <laughs> everyone comes in the morning. I'm, I'm in the, here before everyone else. And I'm like, it is such an awesome day. <laughs> and and then Lance out, comes in. And it's, it's terrible outside. I'm like, it's time <laughs> day to get work done. It's gloomy out. I, I actually love those feelings sometimes, especially in Colorado when it's so sunny. So Lance comes in. Last Lance. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, it's so terrible. I'm like, it is awesome. He's like, no, it is terrible. I'm like, for the record, I I felt like I've been sick in the first half of the week. I felt like I was sick um, just because I feel like the higher up we are with this altitude, the the greater the the weather affects you. So anyway, I'm done whining. It's good. It's a good day. Can't complain. Can't, can I can. Awesome. Awesome. You can complain always. Is that what you were going to say? To you? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Um, what I wanted to talk about, lead this off, is constant improvement. The, having the culture of constant improvement and brought up two things that we did. So maybe you can think about how you can apply it to your firm. All right. The first one and um, is just your folder structure. Your folder structure about how you organize pro- projects. And every business has this, but especially architects. One of our guys proposed a new folder structure that we haven't changed since 2007, nine. Our original, we have not changed. You and I, yes, exactly. You and I hadn't changed it since 2009. It just stayed the same. So propose a new one. Um, I said, go for it. I said, just do it. And it did not work out. It, 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 things are kind of sloppy, but it gave, it was just, it wasn't sloppy. And okay, here's my reaction. My reaction is it wasn't sloppy. My reaction, it was too well done. It was like too well thought out. And you know what I mean? It was just too deep. And you had to know where every, there was it was too nuanced. There was too many little nuances or whatever. So then you right. modi- I think you modified it. Yep. So the, I took our regular one, um, and then I just added two new folders called documents in and documents out, which I am loving now. It, yeah. it makes so much sense to just it, it's intuitive. How instead of nuance, now all of a sudden I think you made it much more intuitive. Like oh, somebody, yeah. something came in from somebody. This is where it goes. Something's gonna go out. That's where it goes. Exactly. And in the documents in, I have. In from the, the client, because initially the client gives you stuff. And then I have in from the city, so um, new yes. codes, new stuff. And then I have even uh, in from consultants. consultants. And sometimes I put, depending on the project, and especially the newer the person that's working on the project, I might have F9 in. So I'll take another example because in oh, my Oh, that's head, interesting. Like an internal in. in. Yeah. And, wow. It's in like my, Inception. It is. A, it's F, a, F9 Inception. Yeah. And, and the reason why is... Um, we've been talking me you and actually our buddy Minima that was a guest on one of these podcasts he's back at NDSU and he's like can you believe this was 14 years ago and I had that revelation to you like we've been doing this this for a while now 14 11 no 14 
Yeah, yeah. you're right. Since 2003, right? Yeah. That is insane. Yep. Craziness. Um, so basically, we know where everything in the firm is. So for me to say, this is just like this project or this project, I, I instantly connect it. So now I can bring in that PDF yeah. or that Revit file. And they'll know if, if it's in the F9N, it's probably really pertinent to, to what you're doing. It might be an example set. And did you, did you make this folder in our like generic folder where you can just copy paste make a new project yep beautiful I just, yep beautiful yep. um but i e i put on the entree architect uh community which you can go on facebook there's always a link to it um this is run by mark lepage and i asked other people do you have a common file structure and then i posted mine this is what mine looks like and what was great is someone, they had similar stuff. Um, ours is just documents in and documents out. Revit, which is our program, Photoshop, written, and CAD. We could technically get rid of CAD if we wanted to, right? So some other people had, you know, five or six. Um, and then a couple people had big ones. And what was interesting... Big ones and what do you mean? Like 12 different folders to begin with? Wow, that's pretty huge. Okay. Yeah. But what the first guy said, which was interesting, is that he, he goes... Um, he has incoming and outgoing because he goes, you can't rely on email. Things get lost yes. in email. Yes. Especially if... Especially if, Okay. And, and I, we should talk about email a little bit. So we run, we run our email. Um, our, our addresses are based off of our, web, our, our web, website provider. However, then we link it all with Gmail and everybody works off of Gmail. So if you've ever worked off of Gmail or even I would, I would go so far as to say Microsoft Outlook and you try to search for something, it's terrible. Like you can't, so even if you, if you, oh, I, I'm arch archiving all of my emails and everything, I don't think you can rely on the search features there. So that's why I think it's yep. 100% this in and out folder is for us has been a game changer. Yeah. And especially if, if I'm getting most of the emails and a lot of times the other guy is copied on it, but sometimes not, especially for one project, we have a meeting every week. So there's an outgoing every week and it's been so easy for me to go back and, and look at stuff. Or if I get things in from civil, I, instead of having one folder of just in where it's a whole bunch of dates and you know like the last time the civil sent you something you know it's hard to find but if you just every time the civil sends me like eight drawings there's a new folder it's ready to go so i thought that was key from from that guy and, and it's what we do and then i'm gonna have you look at this and i might ask this guy if i can post this this guy said i have more folders um and i like numbered folders for some reason, it helps me mentally organize. That's interesting. So <clears throat> I'll give you an overview. Yep. Or actually, you're looking at it, Lance. So I'm see looking if you kind of describe it while you're looking at it. And I, I don't think we should go to this, but like, I kind of like, <clears throat> I get where he's coming from. So basically, it's numbered in a one, two, three, four, five, six order. And then there are subfolders, like two goes to 2.1, three goes to 3.1. It's uh, so what are the headings pretty, of one, two, three, four, five, six? And the heading, so the first heading is uh, contract, and the, there's a money symbol. I really like that. Number <laughs> one, I like that a lot. <laughs> and then number two is planning. Number three, design. Number four, consultants. Number five, specs. Number six, construction. It's interesting because then there you go. That starts. It starts. It's in linear order from how you would do a project. That's interesting. Hmm. And it's a good way to sort of archive. I think at the same time, yeah. we sort of archive. In just a very organic way, and we just we just we do the save as we do a different date um, on all of our documents yes. and that sort of thing, and we can do that because we're a small firm. I know we've brought this up before on the other on our on a previous podcast of some some people can't do that because they link files and stuff like that, so it doesn't work. This would kind of solve both problems. Yeah, and and I forgot to mention in in when we get something in from the engineer, I always date that folder, 
And then when we put something out, it's always dated too. So that's how our lineal works. I just thought this was cool. Um, so if, if you're thinking, if, if you're having a problem where an email miscommunication, you forgot something, or if it's taking too long to find stuff, um, think about your file structure. So th you know, there's a practical problem. Think about how structurally you can change it. And uh, if you're an architect or not, go to the Entree Architect community. Oh gosh, uh, I think any, I think this applies to any business owner that's yeah, in the digital I'm, age, 100%. I know you're getting there, but I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I thought that was cool. Huh? That's interesting. Apparently, he's a Mac user too, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Must not use Revit then, unless he switches over. No, oh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, second thing that we did is we updated our Revit template. Right, so as architects, you use Revit. I think the last uh, about a month ago we did this. Yeah, and I have I have one of the new houses that I've been working in. Um, a couple people actually have been working in the new template, and it's been it's a drastic improvement. There were so many little things that built up over probably about a year, and so I think where Alex is going with this is we have a we we basically have a working document that and things come up each week where one of our guys turns around or even Alex or I look at each other and we go, we should add that to the template. So we have a working document that's living that people can add to at any time and they can say, hey, can we add this family? Can we do this? Can we, can we on the next Revit template update? Yep. And I think what was great about this one is since now we have, besides me and you, about eight different people from experience to not experience working on it and everyone gave their input so it was one of the most comprehensive updates that we've had in years um and then we had a meeting and we went over all of the updates and then for some of our remote workers because we have a, a couple one in minnesota and one in montana and i made a little video for them and walked them through everything yep. that we went through just so everybody was on board even if they were working from mars yep so we should have a mars worker one day oh so did you stay up for elon musk's mars uh, talk? No, was this last night at nine thirty? Uh uh. Oh, it was awesome. Only you're the only Elon Musk lover. Huh? I'm a liker. You're a lover. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, anyways, we might have a base on Mars. Um, he says on 2022 he wants to send up two ships. 2024 because every two years is the where it aligns. It oh, so you can do it. Yeah, got it. But you know he's always late, so probably 2024 is the. That's not too far away. But he last year. He gave this big speech, right, about what he's going to do. And then this year, basically, he came more down to reality. And they're going to simplify all the rockets into one rocket so that it can do their regular launches and it can go off. And he's like, this is, we figured out how to pay for it now. So this, it might happen, Interesting. Which, is, which is great. Yeah. But <laughs> what I was going, <laughs> Lance got me sidetracked <laughs> on, on space talk. <laughs> so anyways, I, um, I'm going to do a post about, basically everything we did on, on Revit Furniture, where we sell this template to. So if you're interested in it, I will shamelessly promote it. Because I just got feedback yesterday. A guy asked me about one thing, a schedule issue um, that is fixed in this update. But he's, he said, other than that, this has been well worth its money. Awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. I get a lot of positive feedback. Good. Um, and we get some, we, sometimes we have to give a refund. We'll, we'll give you full disclosure on that oh, one. Yeah. But, but hey, we're here to, we're here to help everybody and, and grow. But like there's plenty of work for everybody. So let's, let's all crush it together. Make yeah. better architecture, better buildings, right? Actually, better life, better world. Exactly. You got it. Mars is the next. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, go to RevitFurniture.com if you, if you want that new, new template. Um, next is development talk. So we're developers. We are developers. If you don't know that already. So, so, so we have piece of land and basically what happened is that last, last week I submitted, um, 
And we got rid. So I'm going to catch everybody up on it quickly here. Uh, about three weeks ago, we we submitted for site plan review process, and we were uh, rejected within a week because we were missing a few documents. So we had to get those documents. We got them back. Now this last week, we successfully submitted, yep. paid the government some money, and now we're in for review. And then I walk in this morning to the office, and there's a big stack of one of our guys is stuffing envelopes, and I'm like, "What are we doing? We should talk <laughs> about this. I don't even know what this is." There was even one addressed to me on the on the desk. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So catch us up. We catch catch me up, Al. So we did the neighborhood review a meeting where basically we had to tell the neighborhood what we were doing. And we sent out a whole bunch of uh, letters to and, people and, within a thousand feet. Yep. And then we also had to put up a sign on our on our property and say, hey, there's going to be a public meeting. It's going to be this. And then Alex dressed up yep. and we had a good we presented. Yep. And then now, basically, it, they told me everything to submit. And then once they accepted it, then they told me there's more things to submit. So I had to submit more things. Um, and then they said, okay, now do this. So we had to put together... In, in this doesn't happen in any other city. We had to print. Well, nah, it probably does, but this is the first <laughs> time I've done it. Um, Eleven by seventeen, you know, scaled down versions into six envelopes because they're gonna send it to like Excel and the, the power companies and all that, and then get the postage for them. And then we had to regenerate the new list of the people within a thousand feet because it might have changed, and then send it out and say, hey, this project is under development if you have any questions call the city because essentially and they didn't tell me this but this is why it makes sense is that neighborhood meeting is sometimes you you've presented at some yeah. um the design might not be that advanced and once you do everything the city wants it might have changed drastically absolutely we slash me i am awesome at my job so it did not change drastically <laughs> it's true um, it's true just it got enhanced actually i'm really proud I, I, I'm, I'm hoping we this gets approved and we move through forward obviously yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be cool yeah um so anyways it's just letting all the neighborhood people know um tell it, everybody where where do you how do you obtain addresses like that like a thousand addresses do you have to go door knock or what do you do <laughs> boulder county yeah so, so, you go to, so you go to the county registers county ex, uh, assessor Yes. Because they have, you know, these are the people that keep track of who owns the land so then they can, you know, uh, levy the taxes and figure out what they have to assess what the property's worth, right? And that's how they decide to raise or lower property taxes, et cetera. Yep. And um, we had to pay them. Um, so it's it five bucks it. though, right? No. It, was this 40. one more? Yeah. See, the first time we did it was five. No, did I, you know that? Did, did we pay on the spot? Because I thought so, but he said, "Yeah, it's only five bucks, but you have to uh, pay thirty bucks to open the case." Mm. I'm like, "Yeah, I feel like he just made that up." He's got thefted a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Other development talk. So I want um, all my projects to go smoothly, but especially the big projects because there's so much information. What is our projected timeline from here? How about that? Do you want to even? Do you know? It, I asked him. I said, "Isn't it? Or aren't we supposed to get the first round of comments?" Oh, he's had thirty six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks from the last Friday or whatever. Yep. You put this in the calendar. No, I should though. We should put this in the calendar today. That'd be great. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah. Calendar. So, so we're supposed to get our first round of comments back within six weeks of when we finally got approved to even get in the queue, right? Yep. And then we, and then do they give us? A, we're supposed to respond within thirty days, something like that. Uh, he didn't say, but we'll probably try to do it. Yeah. It, it'll probably say within 30 days, everything I get back from the city, it does say 30 days. Exactly. Sometimes we don't meet uh, so, it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm pretty sure we have to get then We have to get back to them in 30 days. We're going to try to get back within a week, a week or less. Depending on how, depending on how. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then from there, and then from there, then there's probably at least 
One or two. One or two. But I called him and I said, hey, can I meet with you to go over this? And he said, I might not even be the planner and it hasn't been assigned yet because I wanted to preemptively strike and go over all this stuff because there's things from the neighborhood meeting that I'm arguing for and making a good point. And sometimes uh, writing doesn't come across as well. And not that I'm a terrible writer or anything like that, but I just remember my second thesis for construction management. You know, I wrote everything out and then I gave a presentation and the presentation blew them away. And I'm like, I was all written there, you know, same thing. But just because you're saying it face to face and maybe you can see where they don't get it and you can explain a little bit more. So where we want our like, trashes, they said we couldn't put it in the setback, but we can by code and by the example next to it. So I just wanted to go over that. And he said, after the first review, it's standard that we have a meeting. And I go, oh, that's perfect. Good. Because then we can see their stuff. And then I would want it before, depending on how many that is, maybe we'll have to think of solutions and say, okay, we're going to propose this. We're going to propose this, right? Anyways, there's this other big project where we're on the hook for all city comments. But that, that was the deal of the contract. And I know that that's standard, but normally we have a clause like it, it, in layman's term, if the city goes crazy, like it's additional fee. And what Alex means by we're on the hook, meaning we have a fixed fee contract. We're not to charge any more, any extra fees for that. That's how we're on the hook. That's how we're And a, a percentage of the contract is withheld until successful permit has been issued. Yep. Then I said... Um, and this should probably be standard practice now. I go, okay, if you're going to do that, one, I raised the fee. <laughs> and then two, I moved some of it ahead because I go, I want to meet with the city and I want to, I want to pick their brains and explain this project, um, and, and really get it going. Uh, so everyone's on the same page because again, there's that rule. We talked about it here. If it's going to take three emails, you might as well call, right? Yep. And one with the city, you might as well walk in and talk to them. So this is uh, a different city. I asked if I could meet with them and they said, no, we're way too busy. <laughs> Silly architect. You cannot meet with us. Uh, but if you have any questions, let me know. So I was like, boom, just four huge questions, you know, gave them examples. Okay. This is our project. This is what we're doing. Here's an overarching question. And even the last question was like, um, do you have typical comments or, you know, what do you see that happens all the time that you wish, you know, they'd address because right they do have typical comments. So, this Typical was, common comments that come back to you. So don't be afraid to ask them. And this has been a revelation to us within the last 12 months. We're just like, yep. they've got to have just these standard things. Can we just yeah. ask for them? So, so you did. I did. And a planner called me. And he went through the list. Because some were pertinent to the project. Some were like radon mitigation questions, which actually wasn't a big deal. But I go, can you send me comments um, from a project that's very similar to this? And he sent me those comments. He took off like, you know, like what project it was. I had a great conversation with him. It was amazing. Um, congratulations, the city, the government and everything. And then you heard it here an hour later. He goes, oh, I also have typical comments that I use. And it's just a Word Excel spreadsheet with 24 comments that he typically uses. And he sent that to me, too. I'm like, oh, here's why I could not be happy. Here's why I know there are typical comments. So I just got comments back from uh, the Twin Falls in Idaho, where we're doing our first Idaho project. And the, there was two sets of comments. One was from the fire department. One was from the billing department. The fire department pertained to us. And they were copy and paste from the International Building Code. It was related to fire openings. So you know what I did? I copied and pasted those notes and put them on the drawings. Yeah. And they were 100% satisfied. Yeah. They didn't, I, I didn't draw any extra. I mean, I, there was one or two extra details that I quickly drew. 
it was like putting numbers, you know, putting the address on the building in the front. And I should have done that in the first place. But yeah. these other ones, I just copy paste notes. They wrote me back this morning and said, "Great, this is great." Uh, and it took, it didn't, and I so I didn't spend any extra time doing it. So I just, I know they exist. I know they exist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so feel free if you have a big project or you know something like that, try to go meet with them. If not. You know, just ask and, email and, and ask. Th- so and make sure that you don't get fooled in that it's not the typical checklist. I think there's another. Th- yes, you know, it's like oh, you say oh yes, I've got your I've got your checklist, and they will should give you a checklist what you need on your drawings and stuff like that. But then also ask, do you also have just like your you know kind of a standard set of comments that come back? Yeah, we'd we'd love to look over them and see how we can apply them to our product to make your life your review smoother. Right, that's that's the approach I took, um, and exactly. There's not a checklist. Um, there, I got one of our guys walking. We see him through the window. He's going to the city right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's not a there's a checklist for site plan review, but there's not a checklist for building submittal. Oh, really? Yeah, there's there's just not. Hmm. But um, go and ask. They will not assign a planner to me. But since I already had this relationship and talked to him and emailed and. They copied all the planners. Once I go in, I'm going to ask for this person. Let's say his name is Keith because that's my dad's name. It's not really Keith. Say, hey, can I, I'm going to bring it in tomorrow. Can, can we have Keith? He already knows. We already have a relationship. So then I kind of hopefully chose my planner or even talked to them even though they said, oh, we don't know who it's going to assign it to. Wouldn't it be logical? Because then they'd ask Keith, hey, you want this project? And be like, yeah, sure. I already talked to the guy. Sounds great. That's interesting. We're we're actually so I I just signed a, a new project this week. It's a it's another one of these group homes. It's a repeat client. It's going to be a great project. And what we have done is we have we're taking on that same strategy, but for we had a pre application meeting, and one of the things they want to do is the there's a the property on the cor- on the northeast corner of it. The roads are offset. And civil engineers and traffic planners want the roads to not be offset. In other words, like if you drive through the intersection, you have to sort of turn a little bit and like there's a crook in the road, right? So this is a weird one. And so they said, well, we're going to make you guys pay to straighten out that road. And the developer flipped. (laughs) You know who this developer is, right? Yep. And so he flipped and rightly so, because that is a lot of freaking money. So uh, what we did was we we said we, we got done with the meeting. One of the things one of the things he goes he said, well I'm gonna go look up the traffic reports. I want to see if there's if there has been because their claim is that it's unsafe and that there's been a ton of accidents. Ooh. So we got the traffic reports. So now what we're gonna do is the survey is gonna be done next week. Is we're all gonna sit down together, he, I, the builder, the contractor, and we're going to sketch and like generally sketch the layout of what, how we think this is gonna work. Uh, we're placing the building on site. And then we're gonna we're, we're trying to load ourselves with two things. One, the traffic report proves this intersection is not a problem. And two, if you guys make us redo this road, we are going to lose a ton of existing trees on the north and the east side, which provide a beautiful buffer for this assisted facility center. Yeah. Um, and then try to get a general nod or something in writing from him, so then we can just move full steam ahead yeah. and, and avoid the road. It, it's interesting. I, I want to know how that goes, and, and you should keep us up to date. If you can hit the city with logic, because sometimes you can, and, and they buy it. It goes right through. Because I remember doing a similar brief study by myself, because I was very upset that the county made all residents um, put in sprinklers. So I go, how much of a problem is this, really? How you mean much- like a resident like Lance? Like Lance M. Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's 12,000, I'm never getting back. Keep going. Yeah. So I looked up 
and because there's reports, they, they, they have to, how many fires happened? What was the damage? And it was something like a couple fires, uh, that year, no one died in the County and the damage was a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's, that's like, that's, <laughs> that's not a lot of money it's negligible like, yep. in the scheme of things. And then I didn't do the reverse. Okay. How many houses are you building in that County that year? So let's just say 20, 50, whatever. How many are you added? So you're not being really any safer and you're causing more money and more headaches. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. So anyways, um, transitioning, you had something you want to talk about and kind of push to people is how many design options do you give when you start a project? So when Alex and I first, uh, when we first started the firm, we felt like we had to give people at least two design options for a new house. And we normally did three. And we normally did three. And a really good example of that is Jazz House. And I think if we've talked about this before. Yes, we have. Um, so <clears throat> recently, so we, we I've, I've got three brand new custom houses that I'm doing on my side of the firm. And one is a super modern one. If you go, to, if you go check it out, it's on, our, it's on our Facebook page. You should go look at it, everybody. F9 Productions is our firm. It's called uh, Top Shelf. So <clears throat> the first design that I came up with the floor plan, it, it fit on the site perfectly. And like, we're really constrained about where the buildable area is because it's literally on a table, a hilltop. That's why it's called top shelf. Uh, and I showed, so then I was like, but but I, you know, this this floor plan, I mean, it took me, the floor plan probably took me two hours to come up with. It was just so, it was just, it just flowed out of me because like I was trying to respond to the site, the environment, everything. And then their program, it was just designer at F9. By far, this yeah. guy over here top on shelf. this side of the table, top shelf. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is another little Evans whiskey. <laughs> so I came. Uh, so then I, so I slept on it and then woke up and then I was like, ah, I got to do one more. I did one more and it didn't respond to the site. It was trying to respond to the environment in a, in a, in a different way. Um, and then it still kind of did their program, but it wasn't nearly as elegant. So I showed it to Alex and Alex and I showed him both of them. And he's like, just, just show him the first one. What are you doing? But it, it was great. This project mainly designed 97%, 95% by Lance ha- has been awesome. Um, because I actually had to, you were very resistant because the other one, I know you had to tell me multiple times to just not not show them the second one. Yeah. So the other one, the, it wasn't as good. It wasn't as elegant, but the layout was more, uh, typical, which, which in the second one, in the second one. And I had the fear that they were going to default to to something that, Hey, I've seen this before. This works out. This has been proven. And I, it it took, it took a while to convince you, you need to throw that one away. And there's a couple slight issues with the floor plan that if you work through, I think we'll, become more typical, but yet still fit in. And it's just been amazing project. And it's been Lance doing all this stuff, me coming in saying one or two things, him adopting half or all of them. And it's just been an awesome, awesome project. So they loved the initial floor plan that I showed them. And, and then they took about a week, you know, I gave them a set of drawings. They, they drew over them. We actually encourage our clients to like, Hey, draw over these, like, you know, come on, you can, people, people, especially for residential, like you understand what the heck you want in a, in a way, right? People understand mm-hmm. floor plan. So they took them back. They drew over them over the whole week. They came back with like a perfectly modified floor plan <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I go like, Oh, you're doing our job. This is us? the changes. 
awesome. I go, they're like, oh, well, you don't think there'll be any problems? I'm like, this is, this is going to be perfect. This is going to be so easy to execute. It's just going to, like, this is only making your project better. So we, exe- so we executed that, and then, we, and then I did a design development pass uh, on the exterior. Had a meeting with them earlier this week, and they were just floored. They were like, this is exactly what we had in our mind. It responds to the site. It does all of these things. So my lesson and, my, and what, I'm trying to, what I'm getting to is my advice to everybody is, unsolicited here is, I think I think trust trust your intuition on if you if you are doing a, um, a a new project. I don't think you have to do more than one option, unless unless there's a really good like tweak where you're just like, well, they're kind of both equally good. Like if I show them two equally good options, okay, I understand that. But really, but if you can tell that second one is really fighting against the will of the site, the will of the space, the will of what the project wants to be, then don't do it. And, then, and be confident in just doing one. What do you think about this? If you, um, and this is very particular. I, I don't know. I wish that we'd ask the, uh, again, Entree Architect community, how many they do, mm-hmm. what their standard mm-hmm. is. But would you say, maybe as a general rule, is keep within the same concept? Like you could do a couple different designs and realize, okay, this first concept, the one that won is the one I want to go to with. If I wanted another option, it would be tweaking that concept. Yes. Don't go into another concept. Yep, I yeah. think so. Yeah, because I, th- I think because I think you can run you'll run into what you just what you stated is, oh my god, are they going to default back to this one instead of go with literally the flow and what the flow is telling you to do? Yep, and then also um, the other thing is Jazz House is amazing. It's one of our best projects, right? But we we learned something from that one, um, and god, there was another one too. And I've been on this kick of the OODA loop, right? Which, which is essentially uh, recognizing a pattern and then, it, you know, quickly um, changing your tactics, right? So, and it, and, it, and it goes within, you know, what we say is always contact, always reply within 24 hours, right? Oh, and I almost didn't do that yesterday. And at 8 o'clock at night, I was like, I got to reply just to, you know, let them know that I'm thinking about it. And I said, we can't make the same mistake twice. If this is what you want, Lance, then just believe in it and do it yes. and give it to him. Yes. So um, it, it's so funny. I, I think so many things are fundamental. And it's just hard to remember everything, to go with your gut, to do all that. So this is just our little story of it, of it working out. There you go. So today, instead of Nick Reeds, um, we hope that he is resting and recovering well. I hope his uh, wife is bringing him some soup. Some soup. He's a little bit uh, under the weather. So instead of Nick Reads, we're going to have Josh Reads. So we'll be right back. Arts Principles, Chapter 5, Importance of Culture. Culture is not about manuals. It's about setting behavior and style. Culture relates to how your team treats clients and each other. It is about how they tackle problems and create value. It concerns the presence of guiding principles that help your people be their best both at work and at home. Culture is a leadership tool. The sum total of how people apply your guiding principles and act on this mindset is your firm's culture. You will see that strong culture leads to strong performance. A strong culture develops when everyone from the front desk staff to the founder lives by the guiding principles. It is what people do when management isn't looking. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, that was great. Do you want me to kick it off? Absolutely. 
Okay. The, oh. the, the phrase that I got, because we talked about culture last time was guiding principles. Yeah. And the two guiding principles that you know about that I've been talking to my guys about and what we introduce immediately when they come into the firm is simple and profound, this matrix, right? We want to reduce stuff, but yet still be profound. We don't want to be simple and complex. We don't want to be, you know, all this other stuff. That's where we aim. And the other one is that I've been telling, especially the new people is let's be brilliant at the basics. Like get everything out, be brilliant at the basics, right? But I thought, okay, those are guiding principles, right? How do principles apply to your culture and what you're doing? And two things that we implemented from the beginning, I think, inhabit these guiding principles. So the first thing we did was we said, we're only using one program. We got rid of every other program. We use Revit and the render we might use Photoshop. So if you're in school, you're learning Rhino, 3ds Max, all the stuff that we did, Form Z, uh, AutoCAD. SketchUp, who knows? Rhino, Grasshopper, all that stuff. Yep. It's hard to be brilliant at the basics if you're trying to learn all these programs. It's very, very hard. And then the other one is that what we do is model like it gets built, right? So we're having that one-to-one relationship, right? And that, I think, allows us to be, again, brilliant at the basics and and be simple and profound. So the only thing that I would maybe ask people to think about or, or encourage people to think about is, okay, if you have guiding principles, and you might not even think you have guiding principles, you might just have little rules like this. Well, those rules are probably a guiding principle, a philosophy that you need to hold to that we held to when we said, Lance, you know, go with that one simple profound yes. design and let, let's do it because that's, that's, that's our firm. Yeah. The one I would have to add on uh, to that is <clears throat> has resulted from us doing design build work and that is test it once and see if it works all the way through. Give an example, honestly. Okay. So we were building two tiny houses at once last year, about the same time as this year. Yep. And um, yeah, yeah, we are designing it right now. Alex it's, was designing it right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was giving my input yes. and that's about it. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, the, the, the example is in the inside of the tiny houses, we had um, so, like wood siding, right? And that was the finish. And so <clears throat> uh, on, on one, uh, we had one crew working on one, we had one crew working on another and the, the crew that was most successful and most, and did the, did the, did the fastest, quickest job. They tested the process of putting up one board to make sure it worked and then continued that process over and over again because it was repetitive. Yep. The, the other crew, the other crew didn't, the other crew just went for it and then, and was, and once they took a step back and looked at all the work, like all the boards were crooked. So they didn't test it from the beginning, right? Yep. So that has been, and then how that flows, how that has flowed into the firm. So we do building information modeling and we test. So the idea was test one piece of content that you're making, make sure it works, yep. then repeat that process. Yep. And everyone's heard uh, measure twice, cut once, but I'd say measure twice, cut once, and then go test it. So let's say you have a whole yeah. bunch of things that you need to put up, right? Measure uh, twice, cut once, and then take that stick and go put it in its place and see if it works. Then say, okay, now I will cut 20 more of them, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's what we're getting at. Uh, other than that, I, I think the next topic is you wanted to bring up shutting the office down for the summer. Yeah. So the summer's over. Yeah. And I meant to, I meant to talk about this during the summer, but I th- didn't, or well, I swear earlier in the year, maybe it was like right around um, January, February or something. I thought you brought up the concept of us shutting did. down for one week, because I think what you and I both hate 
is that we, we, it, you're never really shut down. So if you make it a formal process, and I know other architects and other, other just businesses do this in general, is that they just say, hey, they, like everybody's on the same page. Like everybody in the firm is done. You let your clients know 30 days ahead of time. Do we ever want to try that? And, and here's the reason why I said that was one time you went away. This was a couple years ago for a week. And you said, hey, I'm out. And it was probably because we are a little bit younger, more inexperienced. And it said, Al's in the office. You know, you can give him a call. And I'd get all these emails. Like, I don't know what's going on in these Cause projects. Because you, you had no idea what was in the project. Yep. And then I was trying to run other projects. So I got nothing done but communicating. And it was terrible. I'm like, we cannot do this ever, ever again. again. Yep. And then I said, okay, at Leapskin, we just shut down the whole office. Um, no one had to answer any questions. No one could come into work. It worked great. This year we did a hybrid. And I actually like this hybrid. Because you went away on your honeymoon for a week, and I went up to my cabin with a week with the family. And I think the difference was we didn't say call Alex or call Lance or call whatever. Um, it was I'm out. You know, maybe one of your guys was on it, so you're like, hey, if you know Jackson or Ron, you know whatever, you can you can contact them, and they might have already been in contact, so they know. So I think that that is appropriate. Uh, but don't feel the need to have someone else cover for you that's not in the project just tell them i'm gone just people tell them you are gone <laughs> i think that is i think it's 100 percent acceptable and i think be again maybe that's what this should be this this episode should be called is be confident be confident in being able to tell tell a client that hey i i'm going on vacation for a week and i just am not, i'm not gonna be able to answer any questions it yep. is what it is but i you know and what I've been doing is I've been letting people know because I've had various experiences where people have called me and I'm working with a consultant. And they're like, do you know that this guy's gone? I'm like, no, I have no idea. And you don't have to, those consultants don't have to clear it with me. And sometimes even developers I'm working with, like they will be, I email them, oh, they're out of the office. I had no idea that they are out of the office, right? And we've even had i feel like some clients back in the day get mad like what do you mean you're not working on this day are you a bank or something I'd be like don't tell me when to have my own exactly yeah. exactly so i would say if you this is the policy i'd want to have more like last last summer it was successful just do it but then tell your clients ahead of time say yeah. hey give them a heads up a couple weeks i'm going out out of town i'll be back we'll, we'll do things yep. and then either there's someone to cover one of your guys or there's not that's it and that it is what it is yeah yeah I heard you have some questions for me. I have some cold questions. You ready to kick it off? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> All right. We're switching the tables. Lance is going to answer some of these. This is in the IRC. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, section E3406. What is the minimum clear space distance required in front of an electrical box? Okay. A. You get, you get what it's asking? There's an electrical box yes. in the wall. How much space? Electrical box or panel? Panel. Panel. Oh, panel. Okay. Panel. Good. Good. good yep. Good. Electrical panel. Yep. Uh, A, 20 inches. B, 36 inches. C, 40 inches. D, 60 inches. C. And <laughs> 36. Really? Yep. But I would have erred on the side of caution. Exactly. You would have been good. Yeah. You would have been good. 36. I never even thought about it because normally it's in garages. Normally it's nothing ahead of Mine's it. Mine's outside, which I hate. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, lo I locked it. Is there a reason why it wasn't flipped to the inside? Government. For real? Yeah. Is that a new rule? Does it have to be on the outside? 
I think I think it is in Boulder County. I requested. I I said, can we put it on the? Can we put it in my basement? And they're like, nope. I mean, it makes me. And, and honestly, in our whole neighborhood, it's like that. It makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. Like I'm gonna just, mess with your house. Exactly. You see my point? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also don't like that. Like right in front of my house, there's a big blue flag, so you can shut off my water at any time. So. I'm gonna oh, gonna, you are so in trouble. Yeah, I'm gonna drill. I'm gonna drill my own well. Yeah. Secretly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 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 Not so secretly now, but uh, table R three o one point seven. What is the allowable deflection of a structural member for interior walls and partitions? So there's it's normally for floors it's deflection. Yeah. You're familiar with L over L whatever. over yeah two forty yep. three sixty four eighty. Yep. So this is in a vertical mm-hmm. wall basically. Uh, a H because it's height not length. H over 360, B, H over 240, C, H over 180, A, uh, D, H over 120. Uh, 240. The answer is 180. Really? That's yeah. a lot of deflection. Yeah. Hmm. Did not know. Fair enough. Yeah. Good. How, where did you, are you, were you looking these up just for some certain reason? How come you have a code questions all of a sudden? <laughs> I was in, I don't know what I was in the code for. I was in the code and I was like, I'm gonna get this sucker back. I'm gonna ask him some random questions nice. that I don't even know. <laughs> nice. Those are good ones. Yeah. So cool. Well, it's your turn now, Hotshot. All right. So we're we are now we're we're gonna finish this IBC quickly um, because we're skipping three chapters today that I don't oh. even care about. Good. <laughs> okay. So uh, uh, chapter 26, plastic. This actually seriously pertains to us. Okay. I was gonna say this does not sound good. This is the only question I got out of this chapter that pertains to us okay. in what we do on, on a routine basis, okay? Uh, so it is 2603.4.1.13, type 5 construction. This is why it pertains to us. The maximum thickness of foam plastic applied to a sill plate, joist header, and rim joist in type 5 construction shall not be thicker than what? And I think I think this, this would constitute if you were doing... You know how we specify... Spray foam plastic, so spray foam on the inside of a rim joist to help seal it better, and instead of just putting fiberglass insulation up. Okay. In my world, this is the same thing generally. Okay. Okay. I'll give it. That's that's the scenario. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Why are you? Evan Troxel. Troxel, If he listens to this, probably going to correct us. Yeah. Please do. Uh, A one point two five inches. B two point two five. C three point two five. D 4.25. 4.25. Well, spray foam, spray foam is plastic? See, you're getting me in trouble here. Yeah. I'm saying yes. Okay. It, uh, plastic. Well, how about this? Uh, it's polyurethane. It's um, it's based on oil. I mean, that's what it's made of. Yeah. This is like it's a, made of a, a poly. So, so I, th- this I is where so. I'm, I'm going to get confused because if it was just a plastic, I'd be like, well, you probably don't want too much because plastic is not straight. It seems dumb well this is but, why i think it's insulation because it's not like what are you gonna do exactly you're gonna put yeah. a three inch thick that'd be so heavy like what are you doing that's yeah. not real so i think it's i'm pretty what, sure it's what's insulation. c 3.25 inches and what's d 4.25 see i'm thinking about a two by six wall and whether how much you could fill that and i'll give I, you a hint yeah i'm gonna give you a hint here uh typical high density spray foam that insulation okay is seven seven yeah and you want to get to and even 21 20 yeah. 20 for 2012 IEC. So C. Boom. Yeah. You got it. That's what I was, was going to guess. And know what's so interesting is that you, this is in, uh, 
we were on HGTV and Lance was doing spray foam on the roof because I've thought about this ever since that is that you can't do the whole thing with spray foam if you're sticking to the underside because sometimes on a roof, what you can do is you can just put it on the underside and then fill in the rest of the gap. Yeah. So I'm like, what is the appropriate? Just a couple inches um, because it fell on top of you. It, you know, it literally, you saw it in the, in, uh, in we the sprayed. Video. So what he's getting, what he's saying is I think the thickness of the roof was five and a half inches. I sprayed the whole cavity all at once instead yeah. of layers. No bueno. And then it fell on me. It was on TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. We're skipping. We are skipping chapter 27, 28 and 29. Screw them. Chapter 30. <laughs> And so I think those ones are electrical, plumbing, and something else. Chapter 30, elevators and conveying systems. You're the elevator man. I am. Section 30, section 3002, hoistway enclosures. Number of elevator cars in a hoistway. Where four or more elevator cars serve all or the same portion of a building, elevators shall be located in not fewer than how many separate hoistways? A1, B2, C3, D4. Well, not fewer than one. That's probably correct. Yeah. Um, not fewer than one. Do, 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 not fewer. Do, 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 Am I getting like, I feel like my dyslexia is kicking in. That's not why fewer I than this two? question for you and bro in this way. <laughs> such a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just give me a uh, B. Correct. Alex is the champion today. The streak continues, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, That's all we got. Uh, Follow us on the Facebook, on the Twitter. Please send us in any kind of questions like that, especially if you're a new listener. We'd love to hear from you. We would love to answer any kind of questions. We are open to almost scenarios, anything. Uh, Please review us on iTunes, all that. My email is akg at f9productions.com. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Inside the Firm, or F9 Productions. All right. Thanks. Have a good week.